0: Has throat gonorrhea,
1: doesn't it? Oh, hey, we're recording. Really
0: gonorrhea.
2: It, man, welcome I'm to I'm going to shoot head. the yellow discharge right at the camera.
1: Mm, if it's gonorrhea, it's green, bud. I mean, Is it green? I, oh, I, oh, I thought oh, it was I, yellow. How, I don't know. I, I've never I, seen it. Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, I'm nudge. Trying, I'm trying, I don't I really know. know that. Joe. I've never had the VDs. So, neither one. So, hold on. So, nobody's ever given me anything for Valentine's Day.
2: Before we get into this more uh, serious gonorrhea. topic, so no, yeah, no one, neither one of you all, I remember seventh grade specific having, don't having really to have can. a sex, class, sex, sex ed class where it wasn't even about sex ed. It was an hour of them showing us slides of different. Oh yeah, uh, no, I,
1: uh, yeah. no, yeah. No, well, we had a little bit of sex ed in seventh grade, but I don't remember a slide. Oh, oh no, a, you
0: wouldn't remember these because it's not healthy. It's here's what will happen if you're not safe. Here's what happens if you touch your penis, Right.
1: No.
2: Here's
0: Jesus crying.
2: <laughs> so funny story, and I, it's ingrained in my head. We, went, we spent an hour being traumatized by all these slides of what syphilis does to your genitals, what gonorrhea does to your genitals. And then the slideshow ends and our teacher says, so are there any questions? And this poor kid, Ryan, who's probably uh, a lawyer at this point, raised his hand and asked, how do cats and dogs do it? And he was serious. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a gag. He wanted to know. That's what he learned from an hour of those slides is he wanted to know how cats and dogs do it. And if that could happen to them
0: to, with one another, how like inner a... species or the I'm, teacher,
2: I'm... the teacher dismissed him. We did not get further explanation to that question, but a lot of us looked into class and looked at him weird. And then, um, yeah, nobody talked to him the rest
1: of the year. Hmm.
0: <laughs> and now and he's a lo- he may jazz, be a lawyer, dude. but he's also in a basement somewhere. Please, and in seventh
2: grade, I was in the back corner, not talking to anybody. <laughs> I wasn't going to raise my mouth to ask a question.
1: Well, now that uh, we're good, now that we're done talking about gonorrhea, why not? Syphilis? Are we? Why didn't we start talking about syphilis? Oh, I mean, it doesn't uh, matter, boneheads. We we're here. We're really sad today, and we have we. I feel like we would have got to this director eventually. Yeah, I mean, eventually we're going to just run out of, you know, we'll just go from, you know, there's only so many 1990s and 1980s years we can go through for an episode. Oh, I mean, but we can eventually get back to the 1950s. That's true. That's true. Good, good point, James. Good point. But this guy gave us some of the best pop culture entertainment of the 80s and 90s. Specifically, and, yeah. and
2: well, let's talk. And also, what, the 60s and the 70s, too.
1: Well, that's absolutely true. And we'll go through his career. And yeah. for my two comic book nerds here, there would no be there. Well, there wouldn't. No, I don't <laughs> think. Would no be. I mean, when you have when you have Chris Nolan saying it was him, he took the blueprint for what he did on Superman and used that for his Batman movies.
2: As should. Yeah. yeah. He made a comic
1: he, book movie. He did. And so, who we're talking about today is
2: Richard, Richard Donner.
1: Donner. I was and, trying to come up
2: with a joke and I couldn't.
1: Yeah, Dick Donner to his friend. Hey, real quick before was. we
2: and before we get into Richard Donner, I briefly want to because we can't dedicate a whole episode to him, but we briefly should talk about another person who passed a few days after Richard Donner. Are You talking about William Smith? I am not talking about Wh- whoever we whoever we lost
0: William Smith too. Not Who's, Will Smith, kids. Look up William Smith. We also we,
1: lost Craig Syphilis. I got nothing. Go, James, Chad. Anyway, Who's talking? Um, we
2: lost Chick Venera this week.
1: Who's Chick Venera
2: So he uh, is mostly known for his. Uh, he did, He had a role on The Golden Girls. Yeah.
1: Um.
2: Golden I forget. Uh, yeah, I forgot his name in The Golden Girls, but James, this yes. uh, he and Joe, because we're both we're all three fans of this show. Yeah. He was pesto. on the good feathers
1: oh really it's been a long time i can't remember he was the one he was a joe pesci archetype oh well you know
2: yeah that one um so uh bourbon sorry guys we lost him this week um oh he played enrique moss or pepe on the golden girls
1: okay i'm gonna have oh enrique moss i know exactly what you're talking about
2: yeah, so we lost him this week, but uh, I know we're talking about Richard Donner, but he's a he he had such an impact on me for Animaniacs that I briefly wanted to mention him, and uh, so we're gonna miss him. So well, that's well, Pesto is not gonna is no more.
1: And so, to let you all know, that's who Rose worked for was 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 him on the Enrique on Moss. Okay, he was cool. an investigative reporter. So there you go. You're right. I knew him when I looked him up, but I know him from that show. I don't know him from some other stuff.
2: Yeah, he he, yeah, he's mostly a character actor and did a lot of voiceover works and for several cartoons, but um, but let's go back to Richard Donner. Oh, so Richard Donner. So,
0: real real quick, I do want to acknowledge William Smith because William Smith was a character actor.
1: Bill Smith to his friends.
0: Really, I don't know. That. I don't know. I think he was Willie. Really, uh, was Dick Donner to his
1: friends? By the Clint,
0: East, way. Clint Eastwood came out and made a statement about, it, but he's in any which way you uh, can,
1: mm-hmm.
0: rich man, poor man, Laredo. He's in over two hundred and seventy things. He was also a stuntman. If you saw him, you'd know him, just because he was. Oh, that that guy! guy. Mm -hmm. That guy, exactly. Um, So he was eighty-eight years old. I mean, it's not shocking that he passed away, but he he had a huge thing. He actually, you know, was uh, he directed a movie about Vietnam as well. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yes, he he was uh, he was in a lot of different stuff. Conan. Yeah, he did. He was a stunt coordinator on the A team for a while as well. Just I mean, he was all yeah, over pop culture, especially in the seventies and eighties. Uh, Listen, no. they announced he, his death on the radio, and they said uh, William Smith has died. And and you know, my kids were like, "Will Smith died," and I'm like, "No, that's
2: not." William S- William Smith was my favorite villain on uh, the show Do South i know i'm laughing i really like the show "Due south about the canadian mountain who goes to chicago <laughs> yeah
1: i've never yeah, he, that he, show. he was
2: the he, he was the villain in the pilot who uh brought him brought him and the the ray vecchio together so there you go
1: so let's get back to richard <laughs> i'm sorry. So i'm richard tickling i haven't thought about Due south in years I'm trying, there's a lot of things that we can go through and we're going to try to spend there's so many, no more than an hour on it, but it takes as long as it takes, but Christopher Nolan to go to one, we're going to Chad and i both were talking before this episode and we've got people who have written tributes to the man about stuff that he did that didn't come out, which I always think is the best thing you can say about a man or a woman, but about a person is that, and, and not to get too biblical, but you know, you don't go around talking about your charity right right that shit should come out when you're dead and yeah. people who know you know it and people who don't know you well that's okay but then later on when you're dead you can know, you know did you know x y and z did all of this no i didn't know that well yeah he didn't go around talking about it because he wasn't publicizing because it, it was charity yeah and once we get we'll get to that in a minute but dick donner <clears throat> richard donner superman Christopher Nolan said when he went to do Batman Begins, he went to look at Superman and it was specific of as real world as possible. And we surround this character with as many great actors as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, and he, said, and, he got it all from Richard Donner.
0: And, and he made the comment. I saw an in the interview. They did a retrospective, of course. And I think it was DC comics, their official account actually shared a thing where it was him talking Richard Donner talking about the first time he saw Christopher Reeves fly as Superman. That's Which right. First... It took him a year to figure it out. Right, Chad? Yeah. 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 And they, they, they filmed it in uh, the studio. I want to say Sherwood studios or something like that. And it's a scene where he's flying into the, the first flying scene. They actually put to film was in the fortress of Salty. And that's the clip they showed in this retrospective. And it's Richard Donner saying we were going to do it. And, and they, speaking of him being charitable, he he gives it all back to Christopher Reeves. He he says, you know, he said when we were filming it, he said there was a scene and he goes, in my mind I said, you know, you'll fly across and he and he said you'll fly and he said it was Christopher Reeves that did the hand motions different and tilted and stuff like that. And he said and and we did it and he said we all just stopped. He said once it was done, he does a lean and he goes that wasn't scripted. He leaned and it helped with it was perfect and he said we all just stopped. Yeah. And, and he said, and then some people, there were people that actually were starting to kind of tear up and other people started to applaud. And he said, I, I knew, I knew
1: then we had it. Yeah. Well, and Christopher, I, real quick, Christopher yeah. Reeves, and not just because he played him the first time, it's damn near impossible to replace Christopher Reeve because he played both characters. Yeah. Right? And, and that's the thing. All right, there hasn't been that before, right? Yeah,
2: no, I completely, and I'm going to agree with you. There has not been another character, another actor who has played Superman and Clark Kent that way. Christopher Reeve embodied Clark Kent. He he made him bumbling, stuttering. You know, he couldn't, he he was a klutz. And then he transformed into Superman. In any iteration since then, Superman and Clark Kent are the same person, clearly. Henry Cavill uh, didn't do any difference between him as as Clark Kent and him as Superman. I agree there, with you
1: completely. There has I'm not, not been. Her, it's just not the same.
2: And you know, and and this it's very similar to. Um, and I, it's going to be argued, but it can't. It can't be. Kevin Conroy is the best Batman, because Kevin Conroy, played Bruce Wayne, and Batman as two separate characters in the animated series, and, yeah. and nobody has done it since. And well nobody has done it the way that they can and, and, Christopher even My, and
1: even michael keaton whom a lot of people say is the best batman still kind of plays in the same both he's ways, the
2: same in but both
1: more anger out but he's still yeah. brooding mm-hmm. In both. i was gonna say and
0: i think the thing that absolutely uh, i it, it's popped up in a lot of retrospectives but if you're listening to this and you have never sat down and watched the first superman movie go back and do it um because there's the great scene and I said since he's passed away people have shared it a thousand times on Twitter but it is the, the it is Christopher Reeves in one scene in about 3 seconds going from superman to Clark Kent or Clark Kent to superman actually yeah and it's a scene where he's debating telling Lois that he's superman yeah and you know he comes in she turns her back and walks into the other room and He rolls his shoulders back,
2: takes the glasses off, takes the
0: glass, and you're like, "Holy crap, he's super!" And you know it, but that one little scene, the way that was handled, the way it was directed, the way it's set Mm -hmm. up, and you know his voice changes, and then all of a sudden he realizes, "I can't tell her," and you know he goes back to hell, and he you know automatically goes back down, and it's just, it's, it's 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 it is why to this day. As dated as effects may become, as dated as, you know, there's a thousand computer things you could redo that film on, you could not redo that scene. There's you cannot not redo can't. Christopher
1: Reeve. No, I'm
2: yeah, and, and also, uh, you know, a lot of Richard Donner's credit goes of how he handled the actors. One of the best stories about Superman is the confrontation with Gene Hackman. Do you all know this story?
1: I read it the other day. Gene Hackman came out of retirement to speak about Richard Donner.
2: Yeah, so the right. story is... Yeah, so Gene Hackman, and I've I've known about this story for years. Gene Hackman is a notoriously difficult person to work with. If you, if you don't it, go read about the Royal Tenenbaums oh, and how so good
1: hey, and how Bill Murray up set to help Wes Anderson. Yeah, he,
2: he came out he came on set wearing a cowboy hat <laughs> and stood around watching Gene Hackman because Gene Hackman wouldn't behave. So same thing with this. He refused. He had a really big seventy style mustache going on at the time and he would not shave his head he's like he did not want to be lex luthor the way lex luthor should be so richard donner came up with this big plan to get him to shave that mustache so he had a he had a mustache when they were casting richard donner did but he shaved it off but richard but gene hackman hadn't seen that so richard donner had the makeup and effects people put on a big beard mustache back on him and basically went to gene hackman and goes look I'll make you a deal. You shave off your mustache and I'll shave off mine. And Gene Hackman thinking he was full of shit said, you're on. So Gene Hackman sit down in the chair and they shaved off his mustache. And he goes to Richard Donner goes, now it's your turn. And Richard Donner just peels that son of a bitch off and starts laughing at him. And, and Gene Hackman gets furious.
1: Although in his story, he doesn't tell it that way, does he? Yeah, I no, the but
2: he got furious and was ready to fight him, but then he eventually calmed down and laughed it off and they became best friends after that. Um, and that's how Richard Donner handled his actors. And, you know, there's even story, you know, yeah. Uh, Marlon Brando was a handful too. He had the Marlon Brando's lines were written on the baby's diaper. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, he handled them.
1: Well, and he, well, and
2: fucking he, Krypton. I want to punch every time I see, I want to told a time.
1: story, but in his defense, he talked about this. He said, it was crazy. The quote from Richard Donner it was crazy to pay him that much money. Why did we pay him that much money? And then I looked at the dailies, and then I saw him on screen. It's was like, Ah, we didn't pay him enough. Yeah, well, he was good, except for Marlon Brando.
2: The, the seriously, the one thing, and it still bothers me to this day is that he pronounces it Krypton. Yeah, it's still, it's, I still can't get it. I can't shake it. I just, I did, I love that movie. We're I only still- talking about one movie. Yeah, we're, we still got to talk about a lot. We more. didn't
1: even talk uh, about the horror films. We haven't talked about the television. We haven't even no. got to the producing.
2: You no. all have
0: talked about stories of him working with actors. And I want to share this, this story that I, I read online. And Brian Bagby, who, who did some stuff in 2000, but is now the writer for the Wild Bunch that's been announced. Um, and so he's not, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, he, he was coming up. And he did, like I said, he, he has some credits from, from two, yeah, he, but he's been, he's been working for a while. He right. just doesn't have a lot that, he wrote a lot, not a lot of stuff got made. Common affliction that we hear about. I want to share the story that he shared about his encounter with Richard Donner. Because it's, it's, he, it shows his respect for the people who came before him. And I'm just, it's, he, he tweeted it as a thread, but it was fascinating. I ended up reading it all. And so he was inspired by Spielberg. And what did Spielberg do to get noticed? He snuck onto a lot and went around until somebody paid attention to it. Yep. Well, the problem is, Bagby is doing this. Uh, Brian Bagby decides to do it in the 90s. <laughs> and he sneaks onto to Am- uh, the Universal lot where Amblin is and stuff like that. And he has a rough cut of a film he's made, and he's going to get somebody to see it. And so he-, he got by security. He did you know all this stuff, and he actually talks about you know, he only had one good professional shirt. He was a film student. He was poor, and yeah. so he had one. You know, he had his he had his interview shirt, so to speak. And so he slips in. He does it, and he does this time and time again. But he says it's like they knew he was coming; nobody would be out. And then finally, one day, he spots somebody, and it's Richard Donner. Richard Donner is coming out of. Uh, I'm just uh, is under coming out from Joel Silver's shingle, yeah. as he says, his offices. And they happened to see him, and he was 20 years old at the time. And he stops, and he, he said, Mr. Donner, Mr. Donner. He finally gets his attention. He walks over, um, and he said, I felt like Ralphie in a Christmas story when he's talking to Santa. Yeah, Things start to go bad. And I'll, I'll just read it. So, you know, he, he said, my, I, was, my, I was getting blotchy. I was so nervous and all of that stuff. And the Donner looks at me and finally goes, kid, 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 how old are you? And he says, and he goes, I tell him I'm 20 years old. And he goes, has a girl broke your heart yet? <laughs> and he says, I, I stutter. I say, no, no, I, I don't, I don't know. And he, he tells me, well, you can't tell a good story until that's happened to you, son. <laughs> and he gives me a big smile, pats me on the back and walks away. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. He says, when I was 20, he goes, we're tw- almost 20 years later. You know, and he goes, and then it dawns on me. I just talked to the guy that did Superman and the Goonies. And he goes, So I'm like, Oh, even though it was whatever, you know, I didn't get my movie out there, it's still, I got to meet him. He goes, So 25 years later, I've told the story to all my friends. I'm starting to come up, I'm getting meetings. And somebody goes, Oh, you know what? You probably reach back out to Richard Donner. And he goes, I'm not going to do that. Somebody does it for him. And so he goes, Says, I got a phone call. So Richard Donner said, Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. I, yeah, talking to you that day. And he's, uh, and you know, he's like, Hi, there's no way you remember that, Mr. Donner. You probably meet so many people and all that stuff. He goes, No, no, you were in that blue shirt. And he goes, I thought, Oh my god, my my nice shirt was blue. He remembers all that. And then he finally says, I'm just going to quote Richard Donner here. And then the conversation he goes, I'm just bullshitting you. It was just a lucky guess about that blue shirt. <laughs> <laughs> talked to him, made all of it up, didn't remember any of it, but he said, and so it was just this awesome moment where he faked a conversation with me that he remembered meeting me 25 years ago, <laughs> and that's didn't actually remember any of it, but still talked to him about it on the phone. Well, you know, and
2: also, also to Jeff to Jones, uh, Jeff, I'm sorry, uh, Richard Donner, and you know him getting people into the business. Um, if it wasn't for Richard Donner comic book movies the way they are today wouldn't be the way they are because a lot of people don't realize uh, Kevin Feig started under Richard Donner right out of college. Richard Donner gave him his break. Also, unfortunately, uh, I can't say unfortunately, Jeff Johns also got uh, with Richard Donner's production company as an intern and went later, you know, go on to do many things. He is still one of the greatest comic book writers of all time, but his, uh, let's be honest, his uh, dips into Marvel DC movies has not been the most what, uh, well Warner, received he had a large hand in that green lantern movie that still pisses me off to this day
0: <laughs> well and actually and and credit where credit is due you're right chad because what a lot of people of course he gets credit for superman but he also was one of the um executive
1: producers for x-men well you'd laura yeah. schuler Donner is his wife of many years yeah and she produced all the x-men films she was one of the main producers for all the x-men films well, you've all told that. I'm going to tell a really quick one, and then this is going to be paraphrased. And so for many of you who are fans of the Goonies, uh, I'm actually liked it as a, I like it a little less now, but that's a whole other story we've talked about. Jeff Cohen played Chunk in the Goonies, and uh, towards the end, uh, as he got older, his career kind of winded down, and he wanted to go to law school, and he got accepted to Berkeley. The problem is, is he couldn't afford to go to Berkeley and he had reached out to Richard Donner and said, if you don't mind, can you please write me a letter of reference? Because I'm trying to get some scholarships. I can't afford to go. Family couldn't afford to send me because you think, always oh, he's a millionaires and goonies. That's not how the business works at all. And if you all listen to this show, for the many different people that have been on this show, there are some millionaires. Most are just working stiffs. And especially
2: child actors
1: especially child actors so <clears throat> richard said fine if you can go ahead and write me a letter kind of saying all of what you've done and what you know what it is and i'll write the letter for you he did that and basically found out later and he asked him what hold on what did you do and he said he called everyone kid even if they're only five years younger than them he would call them kid i kid laura and i talked about it we just paid for it he paid for his whole law school to Berkeley, took care of it. Which is amazing. And now he's an entertainment attorney. And he said he can never, ever repay Richard Donner because Richard Donner gave him his whole second part of his life, or at least yeah. the opportunity to do the second part of his life. You know, as a child actor that petered out, he said, he even said, he said, I'm not an actor. Everything you see in Chunk in the Goonies, Richard got out of me because he just got it out of me. He pulled a performance out of me. I am not a good actor. And like I said, probably didn't go around talking about all the kids he spent paying scholarships for, which is what you're not supposed to do. Anyway, that's my, that's our stories. Let's talk a little bit about the beginning of his career. He started out in television, correct gentlemen? (laughs) Yeah. I, I was I was shocked that
2: one of his first uh, things was the Loretta Young show. <laughs>
1: is it really? Oh, my God. Wanted yeah. Dead or Alive, the DuPont show, Zane Grey Theater. He started out, you know, when television was live. That's this, not to be, use a stereotypical phrase, but it really is when they separated the men, the boys from the men, right? Because yeah. Because you're shooting that shit live, and it's going out live. Wanted Dead for Alive, Route 66 wagon train i'm sure i've seen a lot of these oh james have gun will travel and the rifleman you know we've had to suffer through that and chad oh i wanted to mention
0: actually he worked on
1: suffer through it i actually i i I have fond memories of it some of it
0: well and he did two episodes of the lieutenant yeah which um for those that don't know if you're a diehard star trek fan you would know that was gene Roddenberry's show before star trek He, he got the lieutenant made and it starred gary lockwood who would later pop up in uh, some other shows um and some movies but he did two episodes and in my mind it just it was one of those things when i was making all these connections i was like that means at some point i just imagined gene roddenberry and richard Donner having and it literally was one of those things that was my 80s geekdom right there in the room together having a conversation i
1: i don't know what that conversation consisted of or how it went but like Spielberg. And people forget Spielberg started out in television he directed tv movies for universal he directed a uh, night gallery it was his first credit am I wrong his first professional credit credit was an episode of night gallery
2: correct you're right
1: yeah and and he said in interviews that television prepared him for directing features better than any film school or anything else could. and Dick Donner did it for 15 17 a long time and if you're wondering back to James, isn't there another Star Trek reference or right, connection when we start talking about the Twilight Zone? There is. And
0: actually, so Twilight Zone, if if you're a fan of the Twilight Zone and you happen to also be a fan of Star Trek, there's two William Shatner based episodes that come to mind. And, and actually, credit to, uh, credit to, um, oh, I, I just brain froze myself, Richard, uh, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Yeah. Credit to it, but actually, I prefer that other one
1: i do I mean, too i prefer not that but in the movie the remake yeah that's the best one with john luthgow well yeah, yeah. yeah I, and by the, the way features to actually deliver that they and had, it's not it as a monkey suit for and a, that
2: is not my favorite uh, richard donner directed episode of the twilight Zone. he saying, actually I, he actually directed one of my very favorite periods of one the favorite it? episode the jeopardy room it's one of my oh. favorite twilight episodes period
0: I see. The, that. He actually did another one. And real quick, I want to share. William Shatner did do a tweet about Richard Donner when he passed away. And he actually, uh, somebody, uh, had tweeted out, um, you know, saying, Oh, he directed, uh, Terror, or not married 20,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And William Shatner tweeted out, he goes, I'm sorry to hear of his passing. He was a great director, a wonderful director. I don't really have too many memories of the shoot, except it was chaotic. And Chatner says, I'll just quote him, it was supposed to be a four-day shoot, but they cut it down to in half. They cut it in half and only gave us two days. And he said that the, the look of insanity got better because they wouldn't let us sleep. Oh. <laughs> we had to shoot so quickly, and Donner was, and and this I'm not quoting Chatner anymore, Donner was going to get that shot. That was the first Twilight Zone he did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It was mm-hmm. going to work one way or another. It was going to. And he said, so it worked really well. It was chaotic, but in all fairness, it did, you know, he said, if I was supposed to be descending into madness,
1: done. (laughs) So back to the man, not having a huge ego, you know what he often said about directing. I'm just a traffic cop.
0: uh, The uh, Chad, you mentioned that you preferred um, the Jeopardy room you know one that i really like and it doesn't get a lot of play but i just it, it was done so well that it stuck in my head it sounds and silences
2: yeah uh, that i remember yeah
0: if you've never seen that episode it's it, it's a guy's obsessed with noise he mm-hmm. likes things loud he talks he likes to fire off he likes to crank his music up he likes to do all this stuff and he talks about how he he's like that because his mother was the opposite. They weren't allowed to have cookies because cookies could crunch. They only were allowed to have brownies because brownies are quiet. And he, got, I mean, it's, it seems like he's just neurotic, but you start to kind of understand. And then the twist is that he starts to not be able to hear anything. And yeah, he everything goes asylum. silent,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, he, and so everybody else is hearing. He's slamming stuff, trying to hear noise. He's, and he ends up in an asylum. And he and he's begging them, please make noise, do something to where I can hear. And of course they can. They, he's and so it's it's a weird episode, but it, it was is. done well enough that it is burned into my head and his entire rant and 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 that uh,
2: played by the amazing character actor John McGiver.
0: Yeah, John McGiver. I was about to say he does such a great job of just selling this character and and why he's obsessed with noise and and all of that stuff and and oddly enough that was um i, I forget where that fell in uh donner's um, direction of I, I guess that was actually his third episode they did
1: yeah most of them are in 64 i think every episode he did was in 64 except, except for, for nightmare uh, yeah, yeah. but
0: i didn't realize that that episode uh didn't get aired when as he it was his third one he did it did not air on time because they actually faced a lawsuit for it oh uh there was a a writer actually uh, filed a claim saying that his script and title was used that he had done for another show and they did settle it they gave him three thousand five hundred dollars but because of that lawsuit it was delayed in getting released so there you go useless trivia about an episode not many people remember but it stuck with me
1: so we go on through a lot of, not this day.
2: I am really shocked he directed episodes of Gilligan's Island.
1: I'm really shocked he actually did some episodes of Get Smart.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: so real quick,
0: we touched on Gilligan's Island. Get Smart. Okay, actually, so we get the Twilight Zone. We got the lieutenant. Actually, I want to mention he also did an episode of Combat.
1: Yeah, also in Fugitive. Uh,
0: 1963 Combat, if you've never heard of Combat, it actually, my grandfather was a veteran. He would not, uh, in a World War II he would not watch a lot of World War II shows. He said they were all too. He said if you've got good-looking people, clean-shaven, he goes, I, it's fake." He would watch Combat. He said Combat got it right, and that so the episode of Combat that Donner directed is actually a, a one of the soldiers accidentally kills a girl's father, a French girl's father, and he spends the rest of the episode trying to be a role model for her. Before they have to move on,
1: yeah. And
0: so uh, it just reminded me of my grandfather, and then what people had said about him. That he, that, that was the only one that he said got anything right. But it was actually what it was like to be in, in the army during World War II. So,
2: yeah, And that show that show had a, quite a few A list directors. Robert Altman directed ten episodes of Combat for God's sakes. Um, I think I want to say that was the one he was fired from for his what became his nor- normal. Uh, directing style of people talking over one another. Right. So anyway, sorry, back on Donner. Uh,
1: you know, well, some of the biggest shows like Perry Mason, Z- the man from uncle, he worked on yep. them all. Uh, Mr. Novak, which I don't know, but evidently ran for
0: a little bit of time, 12 o'clock high, get smart, the FBI, the fugitive. It's about time, Jericho. You know, you're just reading wild, wild west. Yeah. yeah. Wiki, wiki, we, yo, 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 bang, bang, the wild, wild west.
2: So yeah. essentially for the first six years of his career, he was directing television
0: and and really we need to pause because it's weird they did gilligan's island i must admit i'm even more shocked that he did the banana
1: splits adventures hour i am too i'm kind of have some questions about that because i had to look it up and then i was like yeah i've heard of it but i've never really watched it
2: oh geez i said i yeah sorry i completely said Sorry, I was so counting salt and Pepper can, as his first feature film.
1: Well, the thing is, is it is, and then there's London Affair, but in between those two pictures, which was his two final, you know, features, is the Banana Splits Adventure Hour. So now I want to go back and see what the hell he was doing. Was he dropping LSD? Yeah. So the salt and pepper, I've never seen it. So I was telling Chad before this, I thought I'd seen all of his films. I actually haven't. I'm missing salt and pepper, which is Sammy Davis jr. And Peter Lawford, uh, discovering Which a how could we have missed that? I have no idea. I've never even heard of it. I've never even heard it. Yeah. Real quick, by the way, I, I did a quick, you oh, stop the bad guys.
0: Go ahead. I did a quick search and, um, Richard Donner directed all the live action segments of the entire first season of the banana splits, which would be all the b- banana split segments and all the danger Island segments.
1: Uh-huh. Um, well,
0: there you go. And and that would include, that means he directed a young Jan Michael Vinson.
2: So essentially he, he directed nonstop television for 15 years. Yep. And well, then
1: all of a sudden he gets the omen. well, it's not I mean the omen. I mean he got the London affair so I know quick, he got the London affair but that was go ahead well so if you guys not to do a plug but while the other two were in rehab which is what I keep saying I did a little interview with a guy named I forgot Gary Sherman's name for a split second Gary Sherman so <laughs> if you listen to that interview he was up there were several people up for the omen the thing is, is that yeah. the original screenplay for The Omen sucked. And Gary Sherman wanted to do a pay. He loved the idea of it, but wanted to do, this Was after he did the movie Deathline with Donald Pleasence. He had a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of heat. Well, yeah. He was forever trying to get his next picture. And he talks about this in the interview. And he said, I didn't know because I was so stupid. I directed Deathline in my early twenties in Britain. I didn't know about studios and how to handle them. I didn't know I could just tell the producer, I want to do it. And then when I got in front of the studio, I go, I want to do it, but I want to do a page one rewrite. And the studio just agree with me. That's how Dick Donner got the omen was he told them he wanted to do it. And then when he got in front of the studio, he goes, I want to do it, but I want a page one rewrite. Because he even agreed. He was like, it was a great idea for a movie. Just the script sucked. And I just
2: and yeah, I just like how did he get that much clout doing fifteen years of television with two movies? But, but really, the the early,
0: I, I guess quote unquote, the early the, working in television, he proved that he could do a product, get it out, get it done
1: on time, on and he budget. Directed TV movies before then too. I mean, it would. Yeah. It would have, but it's just interesting that I, we just, I just inter- interviewed Gary Sherman and he was talking about how he could have almost done the omen. He also said he could have almost done alien, which is also another good story. Check out that episode, but <clears throat> let's talk about the omen for a second. Uh, I like it. It's not something I revisit a lot, but it has absolutely fantastic kill scenes in it.
2: Mm-hmm. All for you, Damien.
1: That's a good one. Everybody remembers that. They never really captured any of it through the sequels and the remake. No. And well, the killing of David Warner, yeah. Spoiler alert is one of the best death scene, best death scenes in cinema history. Because what? Richard Gaddner cuts to it, and you think his head's going to come off, then he doesn't. He cuts back, then he cuts back, then he cuts back. Because if you're in the audience, you do this, and then you go, and by the third or fourth cut you finally take your hand off and then his head gets decapitated
0: as one would think,
1: uh, <laughs> um, but it's brilliant. No one had yeah. done that before. And sadly nobody does it now. <laughs> no, no, they really don't. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, suspense folks. Your horror needs a little suspense.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I just, and I pulled this off my shelf. Um, uh, I, I want to mention just because I mention Harlan Ellison all the time. He does an entire thing know. about he did a review of the Goonies, or not the well, he did actually review the Goonies as well, but he did a review of The Omen because he was doing film crit, uh, critique at the time. And that scene is actually what he talks about. And I'm not going to be able to find the exact quote, but he does, He he actually spends all the time talking about David Warner and he goes. What did David Warner ever do to Richard Donner? What is I mean? Why? Why? And and he says, you know, it doesn't. There there was a thousand different ways you could do that. And and Ellison's argument was, much like actually you all were saying, if you like death scenes, here's your movie, but it doesn't add much to the. He goes, if you're looking for a deep religious conversation, this is not. This movie wasn't made. Oh
1: up. no, not at all. It is not the omen that you're looking for. Yeah. So we talked about the Omen. Which one do you want to dive into next? Because there's a couple of them here. I mean, he had the Omen, then he went to Superman because the Omen was such a hit. I mean, that makes sense that he was able to get Superman. And, and, and if you have time, look up. The, who were the crazy producers of Superman that ended up ruining the franchise? Oh, um, I oh, can't God. remember their names, but you know who I'm talking about, right, Chad? Yeah, yeah,
2: I'm blanking too. They got the
1: movie made and ended up ruining the franchise as it went on. So yeah. he was, uh, you know, he's famous for working on Superman for years, and then finally getting fired for Superman 2. And then Richard Lester brought in to finish the Saulkin, Saulkin, Saulkin. Yeah. Um. Then there's a movie called Inside Moves from '80, and I've never seen it. Have you guys seen it?
2: No, I have not. Starring I can't say. John that.
1: Savage, David Morris, which is I love David Morris, one of the great character actors of all time. But I've never even heard of it, much less seen it.
2: Yeah, sorry. I have not, I don't have anything to say about inside moves. I don't. Now, the next film he did,
1: The Toy, which we can all agree is the best Richard Donner picture.
2: I love The Toy. I love The
1: Toy <laughs> as a kid. I haven't seen it in a long time. And I
2: haven't either. And I'm afraid to. Because I mean, I just loved it. I watched it on re- repeatedly. And it was my introduction to Richard Pryor, honestly. The toy was my introduction to Richard Pryor. You and-
1: ass you ass (laughs) sorry if you've not seen it you have no idea I didn't know it was based it's a remake it is yeah it says based on a picture by blah 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 blah. I didn't know that yeah I mean it was
2: I just thought comedically Richard Pryor going crazy and Jackie Gleason I mean
1: yeah and uh, kid having everything
2: it was uh, yeah every toy the kid had in in the the toy
1: yeah I won it (laughs) He's a spoiled little rich white bastard who decides that he wants this African-American man to be his toy. And his dad is a millionaire, a billionaire played by Jackie Gleason and he hires him to do it. Boy, I don't know if this movie's going to get made today, Chad. No, (laughs) but that's the plot. Yeah. (laughs) That's the plot. I had loved it as a kid. I I don't know how it's aged though. It also has the late, great Ned Beatty. We could do a whole episode on Ned Beatty. Yeah. As we should. Now the next one is one that people love that I've never been attached to that. Maybe I'd like it now. If I rewatched it, do you guys like lady Hawk? I, I didn't care for it as
2: a kid. I kind of thought it was boring. I have not watched it since
1: I haven't watched it in a long time. I've never been attached to it. I had a hard
2: time. I had a hard time. I had a hard time. Matthew Broderick in a medieval film. Something about it just doesn't mesh. Kind of like him fighting a giant lizard.
1: Hmm. <laughs> well, you, you know. I didn't realize what you're talking about. Ew, no, I, I mean, mean, I know some people love it, and I'll be honest, they I do. Probably, it's got a cult following. I don't think it's I, as big as it used to be.
0: I probably need to sit down and watch it again, because I watched it I was probably a teenager, and it was, it was edited for TV. It's on TBS, or USA, one or the other. So,
1: yeah. I mean, I probably need to revisit it, but I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't have anything to add about it when we're talking about it.
2: Now I just want to go on a bitch about why did they cast him as Inspector Gadget. It just didn't make sense.
1: Now, The Goonies is a movie that I showed my kid a few weeks ago. We've talked about it on here a little bit that I loved as a kid that doesn't quite do it for me now.
2: And see, I have the exact. uh, Now, I watch it now and realize the sheer
1: stupid a a lot of the plot doesn't make sense. There's no plot for the most part and there's holes i mean we talked about this before yeah there is shit they just show up
2: yeah there's no there's parts that irritate the hell out of me now as an adult but it still has that kid I, i still revert back it's one of those few instances where i will revert back to my childhood yeah and just enjoy it even though i know as an adult i'm like that makes no sense why are the hell they? Uh, why are all those pipes there? How did they get to that point? Why is that at that area? Or they'll How just show
1: up at one point and it's they didn't. Yeah. connect. I've often wondered: is there? Is there? A, did they leave a lot of shit on the editing room floor, or did they I, never shoot it? I don't know. It is. I'll a never go- get to ask him now.
2: I have the ultimate. Maybe we should. I still have not gone through it. Uh, I have the ultimate special edition of Goonies upstairs on Blu-ray. Yeah, I need to go back and look at all those be- special features. Huh.
1: Is there extra footage?
2: I don't know if there's extra footage or not. I know there's a shit ton of special features. So I need to go back and look and see. Uh, maybe I will one day, but, you yeah, know, since now, the kids came along, I don't have time to watch special features.
1: <laughs> I agree. Now, the next one is one of my favorite movies of all time. In fact, the next three are. The next, really I am right. I, well. Yeah, yeah. no. I grew. No, the sequel is just a, that part two is just almost as Dip good, if not better.
2: Immunity,
1: lethal weapon. Now he was lucky, and I'm not. I'm not taking anything from Dick Donner, but he was lucky that that screenplay just fucking sizzles. Yeah, Black. he was the voice of a new generation of writing. Yeah, that right? was the
2: right time. Yeah, that was that the was right, right place, point. right time. Yeah. Now there is a. Uh, in prepper for this episode, I kept trying to find it, but I can't find it. There's a great audio bite where Richard Donner breaks down in tears mm-hmm. um, about casting Lethal Weapon because he said he realized casting Lethal Weapon
1: he was, that he he was racist. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what
2: you're talking about. Because uh, he there is a, it's a great interview if you can find it. It's online somewhere.
1: Yeah, but
2: yeah, he when somebody came to him from Murtaugh.
1: It was the great casting director. I can't think of her name, but she, am, I, am I right? It's she's yeah. a famous casting director and I can't think of her name. Yeah. And she's like, you know, Danny Glover. And he's, yeah, and but he's black, but he's black. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He never could envision the character as an African-American. Yeah. And that's when he knew he was racist. And for us, Danny Glover is the only
1: one who could be Myrtle. Well, Danny Glover And no, they're, they're both. It's the perfectly cast movie. Gary Busey is amazing in that movie. Yes. Right. Everything. Every, every, every piece of Gary Busey is amazing in that movie. Amazing. So that is, that movie is almost perfectly written. It's a new voice for a new generation. Uh, Richard Donner. It opens up on action. Like what the sequel does, the sequel opens up in a car chase. You don't even see Lethal Weapon 2. It's it's Murtaugh's scream or um, Riggs screaming, hitting the roof, remember? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm going to jump over one of them. There's a movie in the middle, but we might as well talk about Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah, we can't pass up my favorite Christmas movie of all we'll time, but we'll get to it in a second. And then we have some Bill Murray stories I'm talk about. But he, it, that you, I, I look at it now, and I, I guess you knew what you were getting. But it took balls of steel, not even, there's not like an opening and this is who it is. It's like, wow, remember they're in a car chase. Yeah. The Kruger and things in the middle of Lethal Weapon too. Oh, it is great. It's a great. It's a fantastic sequel because I know they didn't intend to do a bunch of those, but that is a fantastic sequel that I know that, that Shane Black originally wanted to kill Riggs, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't. Hate him. They almost did, but they didn't. And you know, he got replaced, and they had another rider. But I can't. Which they
2: did in the TV show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did they kill him in the TV show?
2: I don't know how they got rid of that character, James. Did they kill him off?
1: Um, is it?
0: Yeah, yeah, that was Marlon Wayne's, right? Marlon. No, Wayans, Marlon Waynes was
1: it? was. Bertolt.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, and Richard Connor yeah.
1: actually was one of the producers of the show
0: yeah i i i i have to be honest I'm not exactly sure but I just remember they did some recasting after uh I know, know.
2: Riggs, yeah Riggs dies in there and they recasting with Sean Williams got and then the show just yeah. never recovered but
1: yeah so this, that's what I was about to say show's not on right that no, got, it got, got,
2: got cancelled probably yeah
1: me it too? got canceled about a year after huh? did he get me too I don't remember the actor the guy with the mustache what did he do oh he was just an asshole. he didn't oh, no. it wasn't me too he was just an asshole. okay I didn't know. So anyway, Lethal Weapon, one of my favorite action films of all time. Actually, man, Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2. I love them both for different reasons.
2: Joe Pesci
1: Pesci was perfect casting as well in the second one. The music in that movie, the fact that they went with Eric Clapton and a jazz kind of soundtrack,
2: right? Am Am I remembering it wrong? Uh, Lethal Weapon 2 has the scene where, where Riggs is in the, the mobile home yep. on the road. Right? Yeah, That's one of my favorite action scenes of all time.
1: Yeah, where he's crawling but, through the trailer. And the girl.
2: They kill yeah. the girl in
1: Lethal Weapon 2.
2: Mm-hmm. But, that's what I, uh, but I do say, yeah, I have a hard time picking between the two. I mean, I slightly inch Lethal Weapon above it.
1: Well, yeah. Just because
2: I like the character development in that.
1: Man, and Gary Busey's he's fucking awesome as the villain yeah. in that. Yep. He, the just, only other perfectly cast great music nothing that I, I had to bring up the music because eric clapton did some of the music for it and it why hadn't that happened before but it changes <laughs> it that whole with the with the guitar mm-hmm. I, just totally different yeah richard Donner mixed everything you want to talk about your favorite christmas movie yeah Scrooge, santa claus versus the martians yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> i was trying to think the night that the reindeer
1: cried the night the th- reindeer died
2: died died uh, yeah um, i
1: cried he killed those fuckers the six million dollar man was trying to stop him leaving yeah you know I,
2: I if you ever go back and listen to the christmas episode of good movie monday i didn't purposely list this because i thought we were going to talk about it in depth later on so i mentioned ernest saves christmas but scrooged um is my favorite christmas movie of all time period it's still my favorite ver- version of a christmas carol and what a lot of people don't realize about scrooge is richard donner got bill murray to come back to acting he was he hadn't been in a movie in what how many years
1: uh he did a cameo in little shop of Horrors. it been since ghostbusters because people forget he did uh so a razor's edge which is a movie that he demanded to get to do he did ghostbusters to get to do it i'm pretty yeah. sure razor's edge was shot before ghostbusters he came out after ghostbusters but it was shot before ghostbusters because he was still off somewhere in europe when they were just about ready to roll on ghostbusters you guys heard this story right yeah and so he hadn't acted except for the cameo in in little shop of horror since so it was 88 is four years and bill murray yes ghostbusters guys we're going to do a whole thing about ghostbusters i'm sure towards november as the new one comes out we're going to dedicate a whole episode to one of our favorite movies but ghostbusters was the biggest comedy of all time till home alone those people could not have been hotter after the summer of 84 no yeah. murray had his choice of roles Dan Aykroyd, who should, whom I love, who, but who should not be a leading man, became a leading man. Yeah. yeah
0: that, Dan Aykroyd, though, I mean,
1: Dan Aykroyd is one of those people
0: that would be a bucket list conversation for me.
1: But you, I think we all three, do we all agree? I, yeah, that's yeah. not a, I'm not d- besmirching him. I love Dan Aykroyd, no. but he's not a leading yeah. man. Now, no, no, he's a, he is, he is
0: a phenomenal creative talent. He oh, has yeah. Vision. And he's great in it,
1: but, but yeah i said yeah. dragnet i love dragnet i don't know why does anybody talk about dragnet anymore it's just too
0: awesome that's the problem too <laughs> because <laughs> honestly could you imagine now what it would take to get tom hanks and dan Aykroyd in a movie together that was a comedy a straight-up
2: comedy what? you wouldn't you wouldn't. wouldn't tom hanks i think tom hanks is done with straight-up comedies you unfortunately
1: you wouldn't or he no, just, and you know get offered them go ahead Jay. you
2: know the, the, no, the other thing about uh, I laughed uh, I'm sorry. I laughed my way through news of the
0: world.
1: I'm a sick person. I didn't see it yet.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen it yet I, I yeah. want to. I want to Philadelphia was a
1: laugh a minute riot. Ugh. I haven't been to
0: theaters because of, you know, plague.
2: Yeah. But no, um, and Richard Donner, you know, he can handle actors, but Scrooge was one of those cases where they just didn't get along.
1: No, but a lot um, of people didn't get along with Bill Murray over the
2: years. Yeah, no, and Bill Murray is hard to get around. Uh, here is Murray's quote about uh, he uh, when uh, he talked to Richard Roger Ebert, and and they talked about disagreements with Donner, he says only a few every single minute of the day that could have been a really really great movie. The script was so good. There's maybe one take in the final cut of the movie that is mine. We made it so fast it was like doing a movie live. He kept telling me to get through things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. <laughs> That's Bill Murray's quote about working with Richard Donner.
1: Well, he but, he Bill Murray said that he neither one of, he didn't think either one of them got what they wanted out of that movie. He didn't think I, Richard Donner was happy either.
2: But I still think it works so well and it still has one of the best lines in cinema history. The bitch hit me with a toaster.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can't think I rarely there's not a ton of interviews with Richard Donner talking about it. I wonder if it was a sore subject. I think yeah, I think he kind of it's not one of his highlights of his career,
2: but man, it's one of the highlights of my, 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 my life. And yeah, we love movies.
1: it. I get it. I wonder if it's interesting. It is an uneven film. I mean, there's parts of it where it doesn't make sense. Like when they cut to the dinner table, he's all, I mean, there's, you know, it's a little jumpy, but I'm with Chad. I loved it. I saw it. In the yeah, I mean,
2: there's some scenes like where he, like the whole thing where she's giving him a raspberry and he looks like he's, he's going insane, but then he, he steps back to normal. And then the whole scene about him going into the sewer and finding the, the frozen body. yeah, There are parts that just aren't uneven. But man, I, I just love the movie. I can't, I, I, I still,
1: it, I watch it every year. I, absolutely. And Bill Murray has said it's because it's on AMC 24-7. I disagree. AMC only plays shit 24-7 that people want to watch 24-7.
2: And I don't watch it on AMC. I have a, a DVD copy do that you I agree? pop in.
1: They, if people didn't like it, they still they wouldn't watch it. They wouldn't Hence
2: want. the whole Christmas... I still get pissed about the Christmas story thing, but uh, I'm okay with Scrooged.
1: <laughs> oh, Christmas Story's good.
2: Christmas. I know, but they don't need to marathon it that much.
1: No, it should only yeah. be It's a Wonderful Life. Get
2: some... Con- get- no,
1: no, I get to watch it's it like I can catch it 30 minutes here and then turn to TNT and get 30 minutes there. I, like hey. it. I love that movie. Anyway. should only be It's a Wonderful Life. That's how it was when I was a kid. <laughs> they didn't 20
0: minutes, a new... A new you could just watch the same scene and we've
1: never got a real special edition features loaded of scrooge and i have no idea why other than they both didn't get along and i don't think we're ever going to get it but the movie was a modest i mean the movie yeah for years and years it was a hit when it came out yeah don't you think that's hilarious neither one were happy with it oh here it is it's a hit so he did go ahead i was gonna say so are are y'all we're We're blowing him Okay, I
0: I wanted to mention in passing, because I'll be honest, I remember seeing this movie and I did not know it had a thirty-five million dollar budget because it did not make that back.
1: No, I know what but you're talking about. It, Radio
0: it, Flyer. Yeah. I remember seeing commercials for it. And I literally as a it, cause that came out when ninety two I would have been twelve years old.
1: Yeah.
0: Movie came out and I remember seeing it, I was like, there's no way that's a happy movie.
2: See, no I way. I didn't know it was going to be what it was. I didn't, I didn't I guess I didn't see the commercials. So I rented the movie, and I was like, oh, it's about a kid in a wagon. I will love this movie, 12-year-old me, and man, is it dark.
0: Yeah, it's- so it's written by uh, David Mickey Evans, mm-hmm. uh, who, who wrote The Sandlot, and... Wrote and, uh, right The Sandlot. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's still active and doing a lot of other stuff and all that. And That being <laughs> said, also has a great cast. John Hurd, Adam Baldwin elijah wood lorraine brocco i mean a great cast that being said it's about it's about basically these kids that soup up or in their mind that they think that the radio flyer their wagon will stop them from being abused and and all of that stuff and, and that's that's
1: however that stuff. james just kind of goes ah, the, the, the abuse and the stuff you know the kids and their." Rock. i don't
0: want to dwell on that what I want to bring up—that's well, that's the whole story, movie. Though, James is about. I know, but I'm trying abuse. to tell a story that involves Donner. Donner directed it. There's not a lot that's often said about that, but when he passed away, John Scalzi—Scalzi—I'm sure I I'm mispronounced
2: that.
1: beat—he beat poor Joseph Mazzello, James. John Scalzi. I mean, what did Joseph Mazzello say though?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Oh no, Joe. Joe.
1: John,
0: <laughs> John Scalzi is an author who wrote one of my favorite uh, favorite novels, uh, Red Shirts. Which is exactly what it sounds like. It's, uh, and then Old Man's War, which is a series he did, amongst other things. Scalzi's a, a fun author. Yeah. Um, that being said, he back in the day did movie reviews and he did a positive one for Radio Flyer. Yeah. And the reason I'm sharing this story is when Donner died, Scalzi tweeted and said, Richard Donner, actually, because he did a positive review, sent him a very nice thank you note. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and so he sent him a thank you note, and he, and this is what he said. Richard Donner once sent me a thank you note for my review of his film, Radio Flyer, I think in part because I was one of the few critics who was kind to the film. I suspect it was a film of the heart for him, mm-hmm. a fine director with a distinct style. That's you know, all that being,
2: So, you know, that being said... I don't hate Radio Flower, Flyer. I think it's a good film, but it's one of those films that was done so well about such a topic that is so dark and disturbing. Yeah. I have never been able to go back and view it just because it's one of those films that touched me on an emotional level you know, that I, I can't
1: go watch it because it didn't touch me on that kind of. It level. did when
2: I was a kid, and, and what that what that poor kid was going through in that film.
1: It's a dark film. Yeah, it's but-
2: it's dark. It's t- it's done really well. It's beautifully shot. Um, everything about radio flyers is, is is beautifully done and Tom Hanks
1: is uncredited as the narrator correct
2: correct yeah he plays elijah he's the elijah wood grown up um
0: if you want a movie about how not to be a stepfather radio flyer is your film
2: oh man it's just it literally breaks your heart watching that film i remember i was crying at 12 years old 12 years old watching that film i remember and it's just it, it 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 haunts me so bad that i couldn't go back and watch it again and that says something about Richard Donner. So,
1: so the unfortunate, unfortunate thing. It's not unfortunate. He made a lot of money from them. But there were we got two more Lethal Weapons and we really didn't need them. Lethal Weapon 3 is fun. And then many years later, there was the Lethal Weapon 4 that's no fun.
2: I, I'm going to disagree with you on that one about lethal, lethal Weapon 4. I find elements of it entertaining, but I agree with you. It is a pale comparison of it,
1: the first it, two. Boy, that's a bad script. It's. It, I mean, what's the the positive positive thing or Jet Yeah, it's basically a full blown comedy by Lethal Weapon Four, and Chris
2: Rock. Chris Rock didn't need to be in it. Uh, yeah
1: yeah right but it's about it's the action's kind of gone it's kind of a full-blown comedy the dark well yeah and
2: that's but that's because the whole thing is they're older now they can't get that action that that's well that's the way i interpreted it, it was well they're older now they can't do that now that's the whole I, part of the movie
1: i guess but i really want to talk about real quick tell something that had a huge <laughs> influence. I, I,
2: no I'm, I, I'm glad we're going to talk about this because again he directed one of my favorite episodes of tales from the crypt
1: two well, and he produced tales from the crypt yeah Go ahead. Two
0: seconds, real quick. Lethal Weapon Four. I, as y'all were talking about it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't remember anything about it. So I clicked on it, and I said, Why would I? What? Who? What? What else has has a person? Because obviously, Shane Black did not write Part Four. Spoiler. No, no. Uh, well, it's not a spoiler. But it was written by Channing Gibson. Yep. Channing Gibson's credits are uh, Eight Is Enough, Saint Elsewhere, L.A. Law, The Birds of Paradise. NYPD Blue, Murder 1, all TV shows. Then he did Lethal Weapon 4 in 1998, mm-hmm. Cradle to the Grave in 2003, <laughs> and I have to mention it because this came up on this show before. The 70 minutes long, entertaining, but don't think about it too much, rock version of Walking Tall. Oh. That was <laughs> 100 credit.
1: Listen, uh, that movie is... Uh, it, I mean, it, I guess. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember just being so just disheartened by it. I really
2: enjoy I it. And I don't the I don't, I, I've
1: seen
0: it and don't remember it. It's, I, would say I saw X versus set, Ballistics, X versus Sever, hated it, but I remember it.
2: The uh, the fight scene between where, where they both take on Jet Li. That's, I love that scene.
1: Yeah, because it's Jet Li.
2: Well, no, it's, it's them two these old these old guys who used to be able to do this and they can't do it even together they're getting their asses kicked
1: yeah. and yet
2: they find a way to to beat him and
1: they find a way
2: they do i mean it's 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 an action fight scene that is dirty there's no clear they they are getting their asses handed to them and they have to find a way to beat him and they do it in the most awesome. dirty way possible and yeah, i love that about that trash right like huh? a
1: like a boardwalk bridge? Is that where it takes place under or something? Yeah, like
2: underneath. Yeah, because okay. it's the water's coming down on them. Yeah, oh, and Lee really is just beating the shit out of them, and they can't they can't win. So they have to figure out how to. I just love that whole scene. No. But no, I agree with you. It's a flawed film, and it's it's mostly more on the humor. So anyway, but yeah, let's talk about Tales from the Crypt.
1: Well, so Tales from the Crypt was hugely influential on me. Same here. I was, I was, you know. Uh, 10 11 years old when it came premiered in 89 loved it i i was lucky enough to have hbo i never missed an episode when and i
2: i was not i had to find ways to view watch it and when yeah. i
1: did man i was in heaven yeah i love it i every once i haven't done it in a while i haven't done it in the last two years but do you I, have every season i have every season yeah
2: I'm gonna start borrowing those from you since yeah, I can't true. find you. <laughs> Why are
1: they not on HBO Go or Plus?
2: It's like I think we talked about this at one point. James said it's something about the copyright issues. They just can't. It, there's so much built into into those episodes because they there, were some. There's, f-
1: there's some episodes part of the star issue. People, is, and you're like, how the hell did Tales from the Crypt get them? But they did. Well,
0: I'd say, and part of the issue is is that so EC, the publishing company, owns Tales from the Crypt, but the Crypt Keeper is not. The original Crypt Keeper is a guy that watches the tunes.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's just, he's an old, haggard looking guy. Yeah, it's not well, the they same created thing. that character for the show. And that's why the reboots and all that have hit, ran into the same snags is that you have, you effectively have two copyrighted materials. One is owned by, you know, the Crypt Keeper as the puppet. Yeah. It's owned over here. Tales from the Crypt is tied to that comic and. So there's literally two competing.
1: The William C. C. how it was explained to me.
2: It may be one of the top two. uh, It's in the top three of best anthology series ever made.
1: Yeah, it was very influential. And at the time, you know, we'd had Monsters and Tales from the Dark Side. That We'd had Alfred Hitcher. The Hitcher. The Hitchhiker. We had The Hitcher. But a lot of these were not a budget. I, I, the other, you know, other than Twilight Zone and Amazing Stories, most of these were not a budget.
2: No, they were very low. This let,
1: HBO, let, real ahead.
2: quick. And let's talk about the prime example of low budget. The the anthology series Monsters. Yeah. Where everything had to take place in one room. Yes. they ne- The whole show was based around here's a mont. They put a monster in it and all the action had to take place in one room. You'd go back and watch those. I loved them as a kid. They are not good. And they are the defining view of low budget.
1: Yes. As low as it gets. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a big budget here. They had a list stars, a list talent directors, and it was it was produced by Robert Zemeckis, uh, Dave, uh, Walter Hill, Richard Donner and who am I missing Joel Silver? And they all took turns. They all had to direct some episodes, correct? Mm-hmm. They all made a deal that they direct three and richard it, it, hunters is it, isn't no.
2: this isn't tales from the crypt the only directing credit of arnold schwarzenegger
1: yeah no he directed a tv movie for tnt a christmas movie sorry go, go ahead christmas i didn't mean to interrupt. look it up if i'm wrong but uh, the ventriloquist dummy is that the one you like chad
2: absolutely
1: <laughs> it also makes no sense and, no, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way i mean it just it jumps to one but it's got don rickles and bobcat gothwaite how can you go wrong yeah about it's a killer movie. ventriloquist dummy. Dummy, you can't go wrong. And it's directed by Richard Donner. Uh, so anyway, now one of my favorite westerns from the nineties because there were a ton. There wasn't a ton. Maverick no. is a lot of fun to watch. It is, and it still is. I haven't watched it in a long time. I don't have a copy of it. Maverick is based on an old series that starred James Gardner. James Gardner was in the movie Maverick and it stars Mel Gibson and
2: uh uh, uh go uh Jane uh oh my god, Jody Foster.
1: <laughs> Jody Foster. I couldn't remember Jodie Foster's name. You know the director. It has a ton of cameos. The lady who got
2: Kennedy, the guy who got Reagan shot. <laughs>
1: Oh, you say that? What did I say earlier? Mine was at least a joke about a fictional character. Anyway, <laughs> so Reagan's gonna get pissed at you if he can remember.
0: Oh, that is, that
1: is. Not maverick. worry about it. He's dead. He can't sue me. So, James, how yes. have you seen Maverick? I have seen Maverick. Yeah. Maverick has more cameos per minute of old tv western stars than and country any, singers and country singers than any movie ever made Agreed? oh well, yeah well,
0: why would it not
1: it is exhausting i agree many... i agree but it, i mean per minute all the way yeah. hell even danny glover has a cameo in it and they play yeah <laughs> he says
2: i get to i'm getting too old for
1: this shit <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so that there you want to hear really uh a, a, william the great screenwriter whom I completely forgot his name. I even read his damn book. This is so sad. Give me a second. Well, while you look it up,
2: I will say this. Wait, I, love, I love Maverick, but if I don't turn it off as soon as that movie ends, I immediately get sucked out of it. I hate that rolling credit scene of that the, them all singing in that barn. I hate it.
1: Oh, to Amazing Grace.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I hate it.
1: it. I don't it remember. Just, I, it. It, I just despise
2: it. Even I'm like, even... Oh my God. Even to this day, I I'm, I'm, I'm watching them. scene no Gibson's time. in there going along with them. I'm like, no, no, turn off, turn it off. It's painful to watch. No, like, William oh.
1: Goldman for years was pissed at Richard Donner because they, it's a pretty good script. It even has a lot of great William Goldman lines. Like the opening of it is, uh, the, is I was having another shitty day yeah, right, or something like that. Anyway, William Goldman was pissed because they put a love scene between him and Jody Foster. Why would that piss him off? Because it wasn't in the script. You know what? I'll be honest. So, and I, I, Honestly, it doesn't need it in the movie. It doesn't add anything to it. No,
0: I, I was going to say, I think that's one of the things. To be honest, that is one of my, and there's a lot not to like, but it, it's, I, and this is not anything to do with Donner, obviously, but Jonah Hex as a movie is not great. Brolin and Jonah Hex.
2: How are you rolling Jonah Hex in the Maverick?
0: Same reason. The sex thing. What? What does Megan Fox add to? And I'm not knocking Megan Fox. I'm not knocking, but there is nothing added other than oh, we got Megan Fox in the picture.
1: Or Jody Jodie Foster's character is cool. I just don't. I probably no, no, that's agree what I'm with saying. But, Goldman but that it, add, having sex it and actually hooking up takes something out of it. Yeah,
0: I don't. I, there's just if you, if it doesn't drive the plot further, if it doesn't add anything, why do it? Unless it's just to say you did it. Yeah. Which is every James Thomas picture. <laughs> we have sex, sex, sex. You've often wondered how many times can that man eat a Twinkie on film? Why did you go sex? I'm more interested in Twinkies.
1: Because that's a euphemism for eating Twinkies. Or twinkies. <laughs> twinkies is a euphemism I don't, I don't
0: worry about how
1: your house is run, sir. Well, I, I'm going to go get a bunch of fucking Twinkies right now <laughs> and show you. I'm going to put them all in my mouth slowly i'm gonna
2: i'm gonna disagree about the sex scene because the sex i feel like the sex scene was crucial to the whole plot of the, the whole the whole side plot of the fact that how she got the one up on both of them
1: i guess I don't yeah know. let's move on to
2: can we talk about dub taylor for just a minute Ooh. i love dub taylor
1: oh the actor the character?
2: yeah dub taylor he's in maverick Yeah, and of course he was in the the best television show ever created johnny bago okay just saying Go on, let's talk more about Richard Donner because everybody else, nobody wants to talk about Doug Taylor.
1: Well, maybe later when <laughs> we do a whole episode. To... I can't remember Assassins. I wasn't crazy about Assassins, and apparently I'm not so, the only
2: one. I like Assassins, not for Sylvester Sloan. I like Antonio Banderas going full tilt boogie psychopath in yeah. Assassins. That's the only thing that I remember about that film is just Antonio Banderas cheesing it up to a hundredth level to play this psychotic hitman. And I didn't realize it was written by the Wachowskis.
1: That's what I was just looking up. I was shocked that they And that Brian Helgeland,
2: for God's sakes.
1: That makes sense. But the Wachowski, I didn't realize they did that. And by the way, conspiracy theory, I don't know that I've actually ever seen the full movie. Seriously? No, I was oh, never I... interested in it. And it came out all right. So I can't get this part out of my mind, and this has nothing to do with Richard Donner, but Hillside Cinema, which is still in Hazard, Kentucky, and is still the only operating movie theater there. I was driving by one day. I guess this was in 96, 98, whenever it was. And Leave It to Beaver. The if anybody remembers, they did it, it came and went, but they did a movie for Leave It to Beaver. Shh, and I it forgot was, about that. And it was playing at the same time as Conspiracy Theory, and they had them in the same cinema. And instead of writing both names, it was Conspiracy Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> I drove by it a half a dozen times laughing at the Conspiracy Beaver. Now, there's one way to take it. I actually took it the clean way of this beaver, right? It's got a yeah. coat on. It's got the whole thing and some glasses. I just, Conspiracy Beaver, guys. I love theater. The 90s has yeah. it. it.
2: But I loved Conspiracy Theory. It's one of the few Julia
1: Roberts films I actually enjoy. I need to go back and watch it. I and it's
2: simply, and it's honestly, it's Patrick simply. Stewart's
1: the villain, right?
2: Yeah, and it's it's for the scene where they're in. It's the, the scene where they're uh, Patrick Stewart is interrogating Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. I love that scene.
1: It's also written by and Helgeland.
2: Of, well, uh, LA Confidential, right? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: well, and so, don't give him a Nightmare on M Street 4 credit where credit's due
2: uh, I'll, I'll go with la confidential
1: <laughs> i to say so speaking of uh,
2: sorry brian, mick love you
0: speaking of brian health Hel- he and things like that um there is it's a if on payback straight up director's cut there's actually an interview with richard donner on that and the reason there's an interview with richard donner is because Brian Helga, I always script his name, Helgeland.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, has him on there to tell the story about how Payback got made. Here's the quote uh, Donner claims that he met screenwriter Brian Helgoland when he was driving by the Warner Brothers gate. Brian was holding a sign that said, We'll write for work for money. <laughs> Richard got out of the car and asked him about the sign. Brian replied that he was a screenwriter but was looking for work. Donner decided to give him a chance, which led to the two of them working on Conspiracy Theory. That's awesome. And, and also working on assassins. assassins. So there you go, which means, boys, we gotta go get us a sign and stand out and spread What water, water for us. what What are we doing trying this other way? No, I don't know. No. If Have
1: you ever heard some of these stories or some of the things that people... Do? I mean... I, I so there's this talent theme, only gets you so far there's a theme going around
0: uh and I, I've actually started to follow some people and I need to see if I can reach out to them and get them to do the show but about all these people because I guess there's been some charges against Columbia University their their MFA in film making all these promises and and not a lot of people are getting work after they graduate and things like that and uh one of them there's, uh I, I'm blanking on the name forgive me but He's, he's a screenwriter, and he actually went for directing. And uh-huh. he said, the problem was, we had to do our own film. Well, there, it wasn't covered by our student fees. Yeah, We had to come up with a budget for you a student
1: used to, film. So you had to. And then you actually had to buy actual footage. You actually had to yeah. buy film stock. And that's what he, he was talking about. And he goes,
0: I couldn't afford to. So I had to change my major to screenwriting to be able to finish. And he goes, and I still haven't finished. I was two hours short. And he, he goes on to tell the story. He has a true story. I left, I'm, and and he's done some stuff that I knew about and stuff like that. But he said, so I never technically finished. I'm I'm two hours short of my MFA. But as I was leaving, I looked at one of the professors and I said, I you know I, I'm hoping I can go ahead and sell the screenplay, and he goes, and I ended up being able to sell it. And the uh, professor looked at me my screenwriting professor goes if you figure out how to sell yours can you help me figure out how to get mine into the right person's hand yep and was teaching and then the other side of that which led to this entire if you find this thread it's fascinating because all these industry insiders some of them big names start to chime in and cases where they were called back to their alma mater and their professors would try to get them now that you've made it can you tell it's fascinating some yep. of the and and um Anyway, this uh, the one other story that gets told was the, uh, there were four people that dropped out after their first semester. And, he, and the, the poster said, if you're worried about what happened to them, I'll tell you one of them directed a certain superhero film that made over a billion dollars a couple years ago. He and his brother did it. Hi, Anthony. Yep. <laughs> and it was, you know, so obviously him dropping out after one semester did not end his career. And so yeah, it's 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 fascinating how these stories happen. And and it like you said, Donner brought a lot of people up. I mean, obviously Helgeland had worked before, but Donner didn't hurt him any.
1: Yep. All right. So we the next one's Lethal Weapon Four. We kinda already talked about that.
2: And then um, we have sixteen blocks, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Timeline and then sixteen blocks. I actually don't think I've ever seen timeline. I have and been. I
2: haven't either it's the one it's one of
1: the few was, so uh it was a yeah. bomb yeah
2: and to give you all a ba- uh, i don't know if i've ever talked about this i may have talked about it briefly i used to be i still am a huge michael crichton fan i read all of his books and this was not related to jurassic park um timeline is one of the movie in books that i actually never got around to reading um and the movie just didn't interest me plus i don't like paul walker <laughs> well um so
0: and and so a little bit about that as well the screenplay i'm sad
2: he's dead just don't care for the son of a bitch in movies
1: i don't care for paul walker either.
2: never understood it
1: wow well and so and, I and then army
2: hammer had to be a cannibal
1: <laughs> i mean
2: <laughs> this is chad jennings <laughs> unconnected thoughts so, mean, hey, he's
1: really good and call me by your name <laughs> i mean i just really like that movie sorry he was cool. good
2: i haven't seen that one but he was good and sorry to bother you too yeah anyway. that's a
1: good movie he's good. Um, everything.
2: boy he's talented he's well and good, what, what and i will say taste.
0: is if, if if you look at timeline and i'm not one to blame the actors have you I'm,
2: seen timeline james
0: a uh, uh, true story yes no okay again tell me a false one can't tell you much about it other than i was like i've heard this story before and this is not the story i expected right
1: yeah that
0: being said so a little bit about the people who wrote that Two, the two top credited screenplay uh, writers which we know there's dozens but dozens. jeff mcguire now if you're like jeff mcguire i know jeff mcguire that's right you know him for writing the screenplay to victory it yeah. was Pele's yeah. big film with Michael, uh, Michael Kane, Kane and Sylvester uh, Stallone. Stallone, and then that was 1981. Five years later, he wrote uh, Joe's favorite film, Toby McTeague. Joe, you want to tell us about why you love Toby McTeague?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> I turned into Christopher Walken for a book. second. <laughs> it was a film that it I was watched a film that that I've never seen nor heard of. <laughs> anyway that was 1986 so five years there and then was seven years later did it star james forget it <laughs> Gardner at tank I saw that's some great and tank uh
0: then seven years later he made in the line of fire clint eastwood
1: yeah yeah
0: uh pretty big film then he made timeline and his most recent credit in 2006 was the rock film gridiron gang now his co-author on which i time, like
1: i've never seen it his
0: Co-author on Timeline or, uh, well, the second person credited for the screenplay. Yes, James. James, we talking about Richard Donner. Is George Nolfi. George Nolfi, his first screenplay was Timeline. He went on to write Joe's favorite Oceans film, Oceans 12. And then he wrote The Sentinel, Born Ultimatum, Adjustment Bureau, and he's got a film coming out called The Banker.
1: Hmm. There you go. Well, thank you for that little bit of hell. So I was I was blocks. sharing
0: that to say that timeline, despite being based on Michael Crichton, who is a pretty, his films adapt pretty well to movie. I mean, his books adapt pretty well.
1: It, his it film not, adapt
0: good to movie. Yep, that what well, I doesn't say anyway. Say uh, did it was it was a complicated film. That's all. I was, that's what I was getting at, and and it went
1: through a lot of hands. Sixteen blocks is a very solid thriller.
2: I love it, and honestly, so I do love sixteen I haven't seen Knox. it in a long time. Uh, I love it. It has three of my favorite. It has three great actors, and unfortunately, I will admit I love Bruce Willis again one of those complicated assholes of a of a person. But David Morris and uh, Most Deaf, who I believe he goes by his real name now. I'm sorry, Most, if I don't remember your how you go by now. But um, honestly, I'm okay. So I'm going to give. Scene Bay, by the way, it's the, the yeah his name. Um
0: maybe best
2: pronouncement. Bruce Willis, I'm gonna admit after this movie, he did have Moonrise Kingdom, he had Reds, he had Looper. But guys, I honestly think Sixteen Blocks is his last great performance.
1: Really? You know, what about Looper? I like I like, I, I like him in I Looper, Looper, but think that's his last good one, but it's anyway. his
2: last good film, but him as an actor in Sixteen Blocks. So if you if you haven't seen Sixteen Blocks, he is a drunk uh, police detective who you know he just doesn't care anymore. He's just on the job and he gets assigned to take this witness to a a courthouse, 16 blocks away from, from the the police station. And it's all about the, the insanity that happens of people trying to get him and this, 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 this convict who he has no relation to, he may not even like him, but he knows it is the right thing to do to get him to that courthouse. And he, he has had a life full of regret, Yep, but he is taking this stand to get that man to the courthouse it is a, it is his last great performance and i know looper is a good film but looper main it's mostly joseph gordon levette that may, but he is I he is great that. in that film but yeah i think 16 blocks is amazing the so, only thing i hate about that is the movie poster says 118 minutes the movie's an hour and 42 minutes long but
0: <laughs> uh, by the way did you know there's a the, have you ever seen the other the alternate ending
2: no, I have James, but I don't remember it because I have the special word feature. Word. I have the special edition of 16 blocks and I can't remember.
0: So the, the other ending uh, is that Nugent calls off the hit, basically calls off the hit on Jack. Uh, um, and and they're in the basement of the courthouse, et cetera, et cetera. But they can't get through to Torres before he kills him. And so Nugent tries to run upstairs to stop Torres from killing him. Jack tells the ADA that it'll testify, but Taurus shoots him. And the movie actually ends with the tape falling out and they play the tape. And, um, the last scene is them actually covering up Jack. Uh,
2: That's right. Bruce. Yeah. Okay.
0: Bruce Willis's yeah. character with the sheet. He's dead. Yeah, I rem- uh, it, as His you're last heroic it- event cost him his life.
2: Yeah.
0: A little bit of a different ending. Hmm
2: it is a great film and i and I, I don't i wonder why it was richard donner's last directorial movie
1: well at this time so he's 91 when he died this would have been so this is 15 years ago
2: 2006
1: so, 81 he'd been 76 he was 76 years old when he, when it came out yeah so i don't know why it was I, I and i'm just talking out loud stream of consciousness i mean was it because he's 76 and he's getting tired he wanted to produce more i don't know for because for years there was discussion that there'd be a lethal weapon five he'd even talked about doing a lethal weapon five you know and and even a couple years ago it was remember it was brought up yeah it was uh, but then then mel gibson
2: had all those problems
1: well no just a year or two ago it was brought up a couple years before covid or uh, oh was it yeah it was go look every few years it come back up and then yeah. Richard Donner was going to direct it. It never happened. I don't know. You know, Tarantino talks about retiring at the top and, you know, he's only going to make one more movie and that directing is a young man's game. He's already in his fifties. I don't know. I'd like to have asked Richard. I don't know, but you know, 16 blocks wasn't a huge hit. I was just looking up the budget. It, it wasn't, made, it made its money back worldwide, but wasn't a huge hit.
2: It kind of came and went.
1: Yeah i agree with you i think it's a movie that nobody remembers it's a solid solid thriller I it's mean, a character
2: and it's a great character piece in my opinion
1: yeah yeah i i for some odd reason i actually uh, the only thing i didn't like about it was i don't like most death's performances the way he talks the oh really talks. yeah it aggravates the piss out of me i don't know because i also know he doesn't talk like that real- it just bothers yeah. me yeah but david morris can do no wrong in my opinion
2: David Morse can't, and he's honestly, he's never
1: delivered. A, he's never given a bad performance.
2: I'm going to give most deaf. Who again? I'm sorry, James. You said that. What's his? Yes, Yazan. Y- Yazan Bay. Bay. Yeah, Yazan I, Bay. I honestly feel like he doesn't give a bad performance in anything that he does. I mean, yeah, I, he was the best part of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> well, he and, was the
1: only one. As much as I love Martin Freeman, and I thought he was perfect. I don't think he actually was perfect, but most deaf was pretty good in that he's the closest yeah. well no alan rickman is the voice <laughs> He's the best yeah is yeah that that's okay. that's pretty spot on that's pretty
2: yeah i uh, anyway yeah I, I know we're talking about somebody. i like like yeah like, even lasman blay in the woodsman i thought his performance in the woodsman was great so
1: um, anyway so i don't know why he didn't do another one you know he still produced
2: so. yeah but he did honestly if you look at his product productions he did not produce that much after 2006 he directed mostly mostly the x-men films
1: I wonder if he apparently he had a place in Hawaii and loved to watch the sunrise, sunset.
2: He may have just been old and said, you know what, I'm going to take my my life. He he, he he did a John
1: Carpenter. He also liked to smoke weed. Richard Donner did? Yeah. So read Martin Short's book. And him exactly. and his wife before she'd passed on, setting in a screening with Richard Donner in the front, all of, and next to Laura, his wife, Laura Show Donner, go, turning around before the movie goes. Did anybody mind if I lot of spliff? <laughs> so it may here's oh, he the, could be hanging out. I love the idea that he, Willie Nelson, and Woody Harrelson are in Hawaii smoking weed with Bill Maher.
0: Here's here's a little quote because I know Woody happen.
1: Harrelson and Bill Maher and Willie smoke weed and wine when they're there i also like the idea that i would be there with them but i clearly am would be the uncool one out of that crowd
0: here's here's a quote that may shed some light on why he stopped directing and i think it's a great story it also shows a sense of humor quote i have a bust of abraham lincoln in my office and it's not because of the greatness of what he did for our country but it's because that whenever I look at it, I have to remember that an actor killed him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's and, it, and he has several quotes, by the way. If you read uh, some quotes on about Mel Gibson, uh, he says Mel Gibson is the most exciting thing to come into my life as an actor and a friend. He's a very special human being. And then they ask him another question. He goes, "Well, he's God's gift to a director, but he tells the worst jokes on set."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. One last thing, uh, this came out a couple years ago. I didn't know it. Is apparently him uh, was it's also Mel Brooks and who else? There's a famous producer. They had lunch every Friday, and had for years. Yeah. And, yeah, Mel Brooks, a great and Mel Brooks talked about how it went from, oh, it's the guy that produced Young Frankenstein, too. It's Michael something, something, something. Because he owed him, and then he ended up paying for lunch for the next 20 or 30 years because they'd all meet for lunch. And he said basically all that changed over their long friendship with these five men, four or five men, having lunch on Fridays was that it went from talk about girls in the 70s to in the 2000s about their doctors (laughs) Michael Gruskopf yes I think that's it google it about the lunches
2: okay uh
0: by the way I I do want. I found a one of Harlan Allison's quotes about uh, uh, uh regarding the omen
2: Hold, hold on is it is it Harlan Ellison t- listing off the writing credits of the writer from the omen because I don't want to- <laughs>
0: no,
1: no I love
2: you. I love you too I um, really do. <laughs> he
1: doesn't love you he doesn't that, so birthday's tomorrow and he's feeling fat and sassy. Oh, <laughs>
2: this
1: this
0: uh, so that the, the the person introduces a quote by saying that Ellison's writing on Richard Donner's critique, or his critique of the omen was quote overwrought even for him. But when he goes on, he describes that scene that we were talking about, Warner's decapitation.
1: Decapitation.
0: Um, And and as he says, when I saw it, the audience was laughing and had a non-orgasmic reaction, concluding that this is the absolutely lowest point I've ever reached in my loathing of my species. He went on to refer to Donner as, quote, that little Dickie Donner. Famed far and wide as the director of the television kitty show "The Banana Splits" and a movie about a superhero. That was Ellison's summary of Richard Donner. Take it as
1: you will. Thank you. He left, uh, and I like Ellison, but he add, I, that adds nothing.
0: Dude, no, no, and that's my entire. But it, it, again, it's one of those things that if if Ellison referred to us so as those idiots that talk about films, we would oh, put it would on be a banner and so it
2: would
0: be like this <laughs> yeah, yeah that literally if Stephen King clearly goes I don't know why you listen to those idiots that would be on our banner hey, from now on dude
1: we were excited well shit I was when when ooh, you have a bowl, like who are these boneheads remember yeah. the why computer? would you talk to them when you
0: can come on my show my show I don't know these boneheads <laughs> oh, Ned, why are they talking about me and he's considered the worst filmmaker of all time he's like ed wood part two i don't know he may be ed wood part two he's still no um uh coleman francis
1: yeah so anyway that's been our episode about richard donner if you've not watched some of these movies we really really check out you've had to have seen lethal weapon you've had to seen scrooge you've had to have seen the goonies it's superman. Oh, superman at least, at least superman. superman and if you've actually never watched the original Almond, go back it's it's a it's a solid horror flick
0: yeah all right anything we'll else gentlemen? Just discussions after yeah no. it. No. it ain't gonna convert nobody
1: all right so thank you all so much for tuning in we should have a couple of interviews coming up which is exciting i don't have anything else to say this is i, w- I would pitch a show but by the time this comes up the show would be been over we'll miss you chick venera
2: i've already butchered his name
1: and william
0: smith and
1: barzini Nelson, ah, <laughs> richard yeah. donner and, the other heads of the five families god
0: we've lost so many people yeah. that never did our show
1: never They ain't gonna do it now
0: not unless we get that ouija board up
1: nope this is i've the- seen oh, which
2: board i ain't getting some damn demon
1: uh uh-huh.